Hey adventurers, welcome to the No Ordinary Adventure Podcast, a place we call home for adventure and the conversations you want to have. We bring you inspiration, stories from the field, and talk with adventure travelers and industry experts from around the world. This is a place to fill your heart and head with travel knowledge. Now your host, Dan Blanchard, a lifelong mariner, traveler, and CEO of Uncruise Adventures, a small boat adventure company defining the un in Uncruise. Let's get started. Well, welcome, everybody. This is uh, Captain Dan Blanchard, the owner and CEO of Uncruise Adventures. And I am so excited to have you on board No Ordinary Adventure Today, my podcast, because I've got a a friend um, who lives in Seattle these days, originally from Perth, Australia, and a guy that I've just not only sailed with, but in fact, we were just talking about how Megan, my wife, actually knew of Ryan before I did and was an ardent follower and just happened to be that when he came up to take the boat with us one year, last year, that she met this guy that she'd been following for so long. So with nothing further to say, I want to introduce Ryan in the U.S. And, and Ryan, I think we need to make a song out of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm down with it. Absolutely. When, where, where do we publish this song? Is this going to be a public thing or just us? It, it may be my next trip to Seattle, and it may be in a pub someplace, yeah. and, and, and we'll see how it comes out, but I think we should do it. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> totally down. Well, thanks for having me on board. Appreciate it. It's great to chat with you again, my friend. Indeed. It's been, uh, boy, a little, but just over a year since uh, we last sailed on the boat together in Alaska, and it uh, I learned a lot about you, and not only you as a person, but just your great skill. It was really, really great. And I'm, I'm happy to have you on the podcast. I'm really happy to be here. It was, uh, I think for last year, that was definitely one of my travel highlights to be on the boat with you guys. Yeah. Well, you know, boats in Alaska kind of go together. Uh, we don't have the road, so it's, it's a great way to get out there and, and really experience it. But I, I think for those of my guests that are on the, the podcast here that, that don't know of you. I mean, you've managed to really carve out, I think, a wonderful niche in the in the marketplace for not only what you're doing in you know supporting uh, nonprofits and this type of thing, but I think bringing kind of this experiential life to light and for so many people. But I, I thought maybe it'd be good we just start out by you, you know, kind of sharing who Ryan is, why, who, how, where. Yeah. Um, gosh. Okay. So I guess as it pertains to travel, um, I grew up in Perth, Western Australia, which is, as you know, one of the most isolated cities in the world. I think it's the most isolated capital city in the world. Um, in a state, Western Australia, which is two and a half times the size of Texas. So it's, it's big. And so I had never been on a plane, aeroplane until I think my first plane, I was, uh, 15 I was a state volleyball player and I my first five or six trips outside of the state were all on volleyball trips um never have I ever traveled with my parents on a plane which is crazy the reason for that is because I grew up exploring the four corners of western Australia which is in my mind equal in some ways at least to how I feel when I'm in Alaska uh, it's very rem- a massive, remote, desolate, intriguing, beautiful country. Having the opportunity to go up there with my family, we had a little caravan and we explored and travelled and panned for gold and 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 swam in beautiful gorges and just 
grew up with this great sense of adventure and overlanding before it was a thing. And uh, that that just instilled in myself and my sister, who's a, a researcher and uh, has traveled to uh, all of the continents and does amazing work as well. She and I grew up with this sense of adventure and this sense of um, wanting to explore the world. And that's resonated to the point where, you know, I've spent a good portion of the last five or six years traveling and and sharing my experiences with people, but I've been traveling all my life, you know. So it's uh, it's now just putting a camera on it and um, trying to make it as human as possible so that it's not sort of fully polished and um, squeaky clean, but it's real and it's uh, it shows the ups and downs of travel as well as the as the um, you know the destination, but also the journey uh, to get there. That's a lot right there. I mean, you know, starting, I, I didn't know the story about, you know, growing up in Perth and not traveling outside it for a while. And then, and then it's just like, it exploded. It seemed like. It's so isolated that we would just drive everywhere. Right. So um, when I got to a point where I could get on a plane, you, the, it's four hours minimum to anywhere, anywhere where you can fly. So when you go, you go. So uh turned, uh, it was like 21 and I jumped on a plane when I finished college and, and I flew, flew to Paris and I backpacked around the world for about eight months by myself because when you go, you might as well go. So this wonderful culture in Australia of taking a leap year either before college or after college to embrace the trap. You know, when you, you live so far away from the rest of the world, we just go for a year or, or some portion of a year and explore the world, which is why when you go out and about, you are going to run into Australians wherever you go because uh, it's a it's a it's a national custom of ours to do tr- to travel, and when we travel, we travel big, and we travel for uh, long periods of time. So, it's a part of my country that I love. Actually, is that that sense of adventure that sort of in, it's it's bred into us, which is uh, because we're so far away, it's become part of our custom, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's really true. And I, I will say when, when Aussies come aboard our boats, which, you know, just started here recently, you know, shut down for the last uh, few years. But now that we have the Aussies back, it's like, oh, it's like lighting the fire. <laughs> you <laughs> no. know, it, that you, you, you have a, you have a strong and, and boisterous group that, that travels with you, I must say. And, and I mean that in every good way. Uh, I got a funny quick story for you. So I was in actually on this round the world trip. I was in uh, Florence. I was actually lining up to see the statue of David. I was 22 years old and it was the, it was 96. It was the 96 Atlanta Olympics. And there was a couple in front of me and I started talking to them because we're, you know, Aussies are all friendly and we're talking, I'm talking to this, uh, this couple. And, and I said, why are you here when you're from Atlanta and the Olympics on? Why aren't And she said, uh, the lady said to me, uh, oh, we're not here because those Australians are going to come and destroy the place. And I was like, what? Out of all the countries in the world that you're going to talk about destroying? I think you're talking about the English hooligan uh, soccer fans. But no, she was talking about <laughs> Australians coming and destroying Atlanta because of the Olympics, which I thought was pretty hilarious. But I'm not sure if she got that quite right, but it, it's stuck <laughs> in my memory. Well, that one will stick in my memory, and I might throw that back at some Aussies when I see them on the boat. You know, share that story. What, see what they think of that. Yeah. So, t- so tell me. I mean, you kind of have this broad array of not only travel, but the the influencing side of that. I would say, you know, I, I personally am really drawn to what you do with nonprofits and that kind of thing, uh, just because that's not my world, and I I really love and appreciate that. And I mean, what's a day look like in prioritizing all this? 
Yeah, it you have to be very intentional about it. I mean, about well, the nonprofit work started many years ago, um, altruistically, just wanting to help. You know, I think I moved to Seattle in 2008, and it was right when the um, you know, recession then was starting. It was a little bit delayed in Seattle because of the business we have here. I think it sort of hit more in 2009, and I was helping with some businesses and nonprofits and seeing how much pain they were going through. So. I started an initiative back then that really got me involved in philanthropy and, and really enjoyed it. And so fast forward to now, um, I've learned that there are there's a balance of things that I really enjoy when it comes to getting the most out of life. And philanthropy is definitely on that, you know, the short list of the big buckets that I want to be giving energy to. Um, travel is another. And then I actually also have my own business uh, on top of that. So Having my own business allows me to have the flexibility to accommodate sort of um, the different, the, you know, enjoying those different buckets of focus. So um, they're sort of fairly evenly spread out between philanthropy, um, travel, and working. <laughs> um, but I'm fortunate enough to get me in a place where the working is. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I have a uh, a company that allows me to um, spend. 28, 20, 30 hours a week and still be able to, you know, enjoy life financially. So it's, it's, I'm in a, a, a lucky position, but also I've worked my tail off to get here. So, but I'm grateful for it for sure. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little off of our uh, question list that I pre- presented to you and yeah. say, just because I, I kind of know where you're at in Seattle, I'm here in Juneau, about mm-hmm. almost a thousand miles North of you right now, but as a small business guy myself, if I were to ask you, if you had starting on Monday of next week, if you had two weeks that regardless of commitments and all this kind of stuff, what would you be doing on Monday, starting next Monday for two weeks if every if all the responsibilities were withdrawn? Oh, without a doubt, because um, obviously I'm a parent as well, um, beautiful daughter, 11-year-old. Um, I would be traveling. I mean, that's the, and, you know, if I had two or three weeks or maybe longer, I mean, one of my goals is actually to, I've got a Toyota, I've done it up, I've got the rooftop tent and the awnings and it's all raised and so forth. So my goal is actually to drive past you and keep going north and and hit hit the end of the road up up the top of, um, up the top of Alaska. So um, that is one of my life goals is to overland to, right up into the um, North Pole area, you know, above the um, Arctic, into the Arctic Circle, I should say. Well, it's a wonderful trip. I, I haven't driven all of it. That would be a, a trip for me. But I, I have dro- driven the Alcan, and I can say it's a, it's, it's a pretty good adventure, for, particularly on the kind of rig you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I love doing that stuff. I was just down in Utah uh, a month and a half ago. We drove down from Seattle. Uh, three three trucks uh some buddies and i five of us in three trucks and we did some uh four-wheel driving through canyon lands and and mm. it was just those road trips those overlanding trips that encompass sense of team um wonder and awe of where we're at um and that sense of adventure of being um reliant on your own devices and being able to sort out problems and fix problems and um the pre-planning that goes into food planning and, and having all the right gear. And um, I love it. 
just love it. So for me, if I had that two weeks, that's probably where I'd be headed. I'd, I'd be headed somewhere on a, on a road trip um, or very differently to that. Another place I, I want to head back to Europe because I haven't spent quality time, which is so very different to what the travel that I've been doing mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, but it's uh, an area that I enjoyed when I, as I said, my around the world trip and I want to go back there um, and see it as a, nearly 48 year old so <laughs> well that that would be a good one and a 48 year old with an 11 year old this time yeah well she yeah she's been she she went with her mom a couple of years ago she went to london and paris and had a great time um no this is this is i, I think uh i would i, I want to take her to africa i've got all you know once you're a traveler once you're an explorer the list just never ends, right? So, <laughs> Amen to that, brother. There's always a place or two or three or ten. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, or a hundred. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit crazy, but um, there's always something. There's always multiple plans just sort of percolating, and then it's just like pull off the right the right one off the shelf, shelf when the right circumstances align. So, you know, there's always three or four trips that I'm just sitting on ready to to pull the trigger on when the time's right. I hear you. I hear you. Well, what, you know, as, as we're talking about, you know, travel, that was a good segue to get back on that. You know, you're, you work as a, a travel influencer. That's part of what you do. Um, very effective at that. Um, maybe describe really, you know, what, what is a travel? Because we hear today, we hear a lot about influencers. In fact, I'll share a story. I had a we're having the, this finance or not finance. We're having a, an employee crisis all across the Western world. Right. And one of the women that owns a store next to me, who's about 30 years old, she came to me and she said, if another one of my friends tells me that they're a travel influencer, I'm just going to scream. <laughs> and, and of course that, uh, you know, this was the, the 20 some crowd that, that yeah. is trying to find their way and stuff. So maybe you can kind of debunk what a what what is a travel influencer what is a real travel influencer do well (laughs) it's a great question uh you know it's interesting because i'm an old travel influencer i think um as compared to that sort of typical younger beautiful human running around taking selfies and stuff um that's not my angle right so but at the same time uh, I've worked and, and run influencer programs for clients and so on. So also have it on the brand side. So I guess my understanding of influencer marketing as it pertains to how, you know, to what I serve in, in, as a function of influencer marketing is uh, my job is to connect um, brands that I feel an affinity towards uh, and trust uh, with the people that have chosen to follow my travels and, um, the key part there is that I, you know, over time have organically driven or grown um, the people who follow me. And so um, what I'm aware of and when I look for influencers when I'm running a program myself for a client, for example, is um, I'm looking for f- reach, the number of followers, but also an engagement level to, su- to sustain the fact that and to prove the fact that they actually have influence and resonance over the audience that they um, have built it is about uh, building a an audience that's connected with the content that I'm creating, um, and actually, I always get in trouble because you can only follow seven and a half thousand people on Instagram, for example, which is dumb. Um, <laughs> and so, to me, when someone follows me and their content's kind of cool, 
yeah, I want to follow you, I want to connect. You know, social media is all about connecting. And I think what happens with a lot of these kids is they're like, they just want to drive the numbers. They want to follow like 45 people and have 20 million follow- followers. And I'm like, that's not to me the aim of the game at all. I appreciate the people that follow and engage, particularly the ones that will comment on my posts. And, and I actually comment or reply back to 99.9% of the people who comment on my, because it is a social engagement. I've been doing social media a long time and I'm very committed to and, and grateful to the people that follow and allow me to have the opportunity, therefore, to go on, you know, adventures with people like yourself, even if you're doing it part-time like I am. And it's a gift. So I really appreciate the folks and I wish I could talk to them all. And I try my best to, I get sucked into spending a lot of time on social media, which is a little bit of a devil's, you know, that's a double-edged sword, but it is not what people think it is. I think, you know, it's like get a bunch of followers, go and have pretty pictures. Life's really sweet. It's hard work. Yeah. It's, it's it's hard work. Like I, I, I won't say which country. I went to a country with a client. I don't even know where I went. <laughs> God, I can't tell you. I spent a week in this client in this country and I was like, oh my gosh. I, I, I could not tell people. If someone said, where did you go? I can name two places I went out of maybe 20. Um, for some reason, those places stuck in my mind, but we were moving so fast and we're up at drone shooting at dawn and in the evening when the sunset, shooting all day and editing all night. It, it was like the sort of glamorous lifestyle that people think, you know, you don't really get to enjoy your surroundings because you're working, you're representing yeah. a brand and you're you're wanting to capture the best content. I don't know if you remember, but Max and I, my my videographer, which on the on the cruise, we're just run from one end of the boat to the other 24 7 trying to catch every bear and every whale and every this and every that because it was important that's my job you know um did i love it hell yeah i loved it it was awesome we saw like we see i think i saw 34 bears and and i don't know how many whales and breaching whales and it was sensational i loved every minute of it but i saw it all through a lens right because i was working so it is it's not exactly what people imagine it to be that was a long answer to a short question my friend i'm sorry about that but it was like one of those questions that you get asked and you you kind of want to be real about it well i've always found that the best answers are not yes or no or maybe it's it's the detail that makes the difference so thank you for sharing that it uh yeah i mean seriously and, and that was very true when you were on board i mean you guys worked your butts off and uh we're up at all hours I think, uh, you know, when I think about, uh, as you were saying, you know, the idea of an influencer is a, oftentimes a 20-something that seems just more interested in getting uh, hits and followers. It does kind of put a, a different slant on, on what we, you know, would consider quality programming, maybe even. You know, one thing I've been thinking about, too, is we sailed last year, a year ago or a little over a year ago, and we're one of the first people to travel again. And uh, of course, the pandemic has kind of continued in a weird, different format since then. And so I, I count it as a privilege that that we were able to sail together. It's uh, I look at this period in life and go, wow, we, we got out the door earlier than most and, yeah. and we're able to provide a quality product to our guests and had a lot of fun ourselves. But that brings up a question. I mean, you know, when you look at you know, the travel industry, you know, in 2020, even in 21, they kind of came together under this, you know, we're all in this mess together kind of thing. How are we going to get out of this? How can we work together to get things solved? 
And now as we're entering uh, what I will call the, the stage between pandemic and endemic someplace in there, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of starting to take on a lot of the features of maybe pre-COVID in that it's kind of one, one person and one company in one country, not so much together anymore. But, but back on our own, I mean, how are you seeing that change in kind of travel behavior it's interesting because the community, the travel community came together really beautifully. I mean, you're all, everyone's hit so hard by it, right? And their lives have changed for that period of time. But of course, when those travel restrictions are lifted, it's, it's a land grab for, for market share. It is, uh, it is a situation where everyone's wanting to get in there and remind people of their destination, of their experience or whatever they're providing in the tourism realm so that you know, as people start to get back out there, they're top of mind and they're choosing those products or services to spend their money and their time enjoying. And so it's very, very competitive space. And I imagine for many companies, and you'd be able to speak to this better than me because you're an owner of a business in the space, but is, you know, that it was probably pretty tough for a lot of businesses in the tourism travel space when you couldn't operate and trying to keep the lights on. And then I know you've got you know, expensive boats to house and look after and, and crews to try and navigate. And I know that means a lot to you because we've spoken about that in terms of your crew. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's hard. And I imagine that there is a, not only a want, but a need for many companies to get that market share and to get back on track as quickly as possible to sustain their business. Yeah. I think the reality of uh, capitalism, you know, uh, is what it is, you know, it's, it's a competitive environment. Yeah, it's, it's that's really true. And uh, you know, I thought about uh, you know, went back in the height of this, I was I chaired a group of small ship companies that were all independent companies, and we came together as a coalition and got some legislation done and this kind of thing. And now we're all splintered and we don't talk to each other anymore. And although I do find, and and maybe this resonates with you, I think that when you have an owner operator or a privately held small company compared to a you know, big private equity firm or a Wall Street firm, those companies I'm still really tight with, which is is great to say. I think there's a human element in all this too. I mean, I'd love to think, and I'd love to hear that. And I'd love to think that that there has been a benefit from the experience that, that at some level, those smaller operators uh, can see each other as just another guy trying to, another guy or girl trying to make a living and we can all live in the space and be in the space and be productive and successful. Let's hope there's more people than not who feel like at least at the small business level that they've got a network of supporters out there instead of, you know, straight up competitors. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So maybe just another question on now getting into Ryan's crystal ball. Um, (laughs) What do you think from your experience with the travel industry do you see certain trends that you think are going to be either different or, or maybe it's uh, maybe we're just going to return back to the way it was? But are you seeing any trends in the way that travel behavior has changed for, for visitors and such? So I just got back from Australia um, and I was uh, actually, you know, went on a whale watching trip and, uh, and uh, did some touristy type things while I was back home visiting family and um it actually was more like slightly awkward or weird just just being around people that you know i mean it was interesting because when we went on the cruise last year everyone was tested there was like a protocol right right now now there's kind of none of that 
for me, it was just, you know, I know we were sort of like, do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? Ultimately, that's sort of like very specific. But on the macro level, I feel like the people who love to travel are going to travel. Like I've, I was, I just did a, I think I posted a few days ago where, where I, I outlined where I'd been over the last few months, you know, I think it's six states, two countries, yeah. um, you know, I've, I've been out there again and it's, uh, and it's bloody brilliant, you know, like I am so invigorated <laughs> by that opportunity. I know it's so freaking awesome. So I'm so excited to be like, to have had a post where I'm like, Hey guys, I haven't spoken for a minute, but I've been to you know, all these places, done all these things. There was work travel, there was personal travel, there was, you know, all sorts of different kinds of travel, which was really interesting to even just to, to realize myself, you know, we've got this habit of, I've got 46 years of habit of traveling or something like that. And yeah. then the last two years of kind of not, I actually feel like people are starting, you know, the, the airports are full, people are starting to go back to travel. Um, there's some ambiguity about rules and regulations but if things stay the way they are i feel like that'll just continue to flow we'll just accept the realities that we might get exposed to a a different type of virus the value proposition of deciding whether we should or shouldn't go is much more in the traveler's favor which i think is is awesome um although you know many also think well we gave the opportunity for the earth to breathe a little bit in some places we didn't get tourism or the travel that it once got but just to continue that thought, the national parks got overwhelmed with people yeah. in America. Hopefully that dies down a little bit as we spread out uh, again across uh, all of the tourism and travel places around the world. Amen to that. <laughs> I mean, another long seriously. Answer. You're never going to want me on the podcast again because I just talk all the time. But yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you hit it right on, man. You know, when you talk about the national parks in the United States, I mean, they if they were particularly in the continental United States, they were rocking last year and even state parks and BLM land and all this kind of thing. A buddy of mine bought a, a little moped business in the San Juans in March of 2020. And he was just like, Oh my gosh, it's going to fall apart. The world's going to come to an end. 35 years that business has been in place and they busted the rec- sales records by huge amounts in the last two years because everybody was home. Local travel. And, and it's very interesting looking at Australia because they, did, they couldn't travel out of their states and their country. Yeah. The country. So places local to sort of the sort of like the local three hour, four hour away or two and a half to three, four hour away places were just jammed the whole time because they couldn't go. Australians couldn't go to Bali. They couldn't go to the East Coast. They put people in Perth where I was. So they they traveled, but they traveled locally. I was down at Palm Springs and, and went to Joshua Tree uh, oh. last year. And I, I went for I got there early. I got in the park at six. I got the last park, parking spot in the park where I wanted, in the parking bay where I wanted to go. Went for a hike, came back around 10.30 and I looked down both the road, both directions. And it was bumper to bumper for as far as you could see. Wow. It was crazy. So we need to go to some other places. So we give these, these places a bit of a rest. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Well, well, shifting a little bit, uh, you know, into, you know, your business, you talked about that a little bit earlier, but, the, and I belong to a group up in Alaska called path to prosperity that kind of helps coach people into business. Cause we, 
typically we all have a great skill, but that doesn't mean necessarily that we're great small business people. And mm-hmm. when you went in and started your own business, you're the owner and all this kind of thing. Did you have like super influential people that kind of showed you the ropes there? How did, how did you really go from being kind of a skilled guy that loved to travel and loved to work with nonprofits and this kind of thing to kind of honing that down into your, you know, your own business entity? Well, actually, that's a that's a great question because now I coach, which is, um, so I have a company called Rising Tide that focuses on leadership development and um, and also on business strategy. I've been doing facets of those in all of my work for many, many years, but I really took a step back and decided that I wanted to look at not what I wanted to do, but what my why was. Because I was doing great things and I was being successful. At least I felt like I was being successful, but I wasn't terribly happy doing that stuff. So, and I didn't like the lifestyle of working 24 seven. I wanted to travel. I wanted the flexibility. I wanted to be able to do this kind of stuff. And I was able to build a business that focused on leadership development and business strategy. And that just leveraged a ton of experience that I've had in previous roles and made it more focused. And for me, the answer to your question is do what you love. But you got to know yourself. You got to know your why before you can decide what your what is. Pivoting towards running my own business, you know, it was just the drive was there. My recommendation to anyone thinking about and and it and it, it and the travel piece was a factor. It was like I want to be able to go and do trips with Dan in Alaska. I want to be able to do you know, Costa Rica or you know wherever I want to go uh, with these opportunities that I get. I want the flexibility to be able to do that and be the you know the controller of my own destiny by running my own company meant that I could, I could do that. Right. I had all the motivation in the world to find out and be curious and find out how to do it myself. I love that. I think it's about, you know, sometime in in your early to mid forties that most of us that have a, a big heart towards our world kind of realize that we're, it's time to be a mentor. And I, I just love that you are doing that, not only as a human being in your life and for your daughter and all this kind of thing, but also uh, right in your business life. I mean, I, uh, I applaud you. Well, I mean, I appreciate that, but it's just how I'm built. I, I've never wanted to be the person on stage. I want to be the person behind the person on stage, helping them get there. So I get incredible amounts of intrinsic reward out of doing this work. So, so let's talk about screw-ups. Let's talk about hacks. Um, so, so one of my biggest hacks in in my own business that I have right now was very early on. We we dealt, we had very small boats. They were like twelve passenger boats, very high end. But the whole thing is, we we I talked and I used the word intimacy a lot, too much so, to where it got out in our marketing program and without really realizing it, it, it sounded like we were talking about sexual intimacy. <laughs> Adult cruises. It's a new thing. Exactly. Instead of intimacy with nature, we talk a lot about intimacy of connection and all this. And we actually had some feedback that says, you know, I think you guys are going a little far with this. And it, and it actually kind of hurt us early on. But what what can you look back at as, you know, whether it involves travel or not? What what are some of your biggest hacks? What's your biggest hack you've had in life? Oh, look, uh, if I'm being honest, I think the two things that come to mind, I don't know if they're very complex, they're really, really simple. <laughs> I did not prioritize sleep and I, I'm a bit of a night owl by nature. I just didn't prioritize sleep. I didn't create a routine that allowed me to get enough sleep and that affected my productivity and mood and you know whatever else. And I 
since conquering that and prioritizing that, it's changed my life in such a positive way. Because I was, you know, maybe getting five and a half, six hours sleep a night, and now I get eight. And the difference is in my productivity, mental health, and particularly as you get a little bit older, we don't... (laughs) Bounce no, back. no, yeah, no, no, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, we don't bounce back like we used to. So that even influences like when I'm, when I'm traveling and, and you know, like you look for the um, the moments that are going to be really fulfilling. You, you see them in different through a different lens. So what used to be you know late nights in a bar is now like sunrise and meaningful connections and sharing wonderful experiences and wonderful views. And I, I made some great friends, for example, on, on your, the trip we did with you because we're like-minded souls. Right. And it was very, very people I still, you know, connect, connected with and talked to every now and then about travel. And to me, that's, that's just a realigning of priorities. And it, it was driven through, believe it or not, just deciding to get more sleep and being available for daytime better. You know, <laughs> I mean, that is real what you just said. I mean, I, I used to sail sailboats, yeah. small sailboats offshore for you know years and, and sleep deprivation is like worse than anything I can imagine. I, I don't know how you did it. It's torch. It's torture. It's what they use in torture, right? To sleep. Yeah. In form of torture. And when we do it ourselves and we think that that sort of um, resilience is, is, doing so much and to me i think resilience is about it's looking after yourself and being healthy and being in a place to you know there's a balance there and so it's not just hey i'm going to tough my way through it so i'm going to help my way through it i like to say ryan in the us <laughs> um That's, and, uh, talk and, about uh, your uh, uh, i i, I well you know i just i think it means both i think it's a great play on it because yeah. i think you have a way of uh influencing people for, for really good things. Uh, it just, it makes me smile when I think about changing that verbiage just a little bit. You know, as you look at Ryan in the U.S. or Ryan in the us. Or Ryan um, in the US, which is another version. Yeah, like. yes, yeah, so that, yeah. <laughs> what are you seeing down the road here five, 10 years? Doing, well, I said, I go back to my why. It's like, you know, I see myself unleashing potential. The what, in terms of how that, manifests that'll be interesting that'll be interesting I, I reserve the right to sort of like play that by ear but i know whatever i'll be doing is i'll, I'll be driven by something if it might evolve even more but at the moment it's unleashed potential if i get too embedded in one of those phases if you will or those buckets um i get a little bit sort of intense you know it gets a little bit too much and i like to sort of just be able to maybe just loosen the grip on things a little bit. Uh, if you're forced to sort of change focus now and then, it allows you to sort of just recharge and relax and and come at things with new and fresh fresh eyes. So, I like that. I like that. That's a great response. I I will allow you to uh, revise how that actually comes out. Yeah. In other words, how you get to that point, because yep. you and I both know there's many paths to get Who there. Who the hell knows, really? No, really. I mean, if we knew that, well, life probably wouldn't be so exciting. You know, it's uh, you just never know. So no limits, man. Just keep it open. You know, just to kind of close things out, I want to make sure you have an opportunity to let people know how they can find you and, and 
you know, this kind of thing. So how can people contact you? I've got a lot of guests that are going to love this podcast. I can tell you. Well, well, thank you for the opportunity to do that. My content, travel content and philosophy. I have a ryanus.com, which will link to everything. If you want to just go there, you can find all the social handles. The other one is rising tide, R-Y-S-I-N-G tide.co. So I welcome anyone coming and visiting and saying hi and connecting. That would be awesome. And yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here with you, Dan, and have a great chat with you. Thank you for that chance. I'm going to have a, a final last goodbye to Papa Ryan <laughs> in the us. Yes. Thank you, Captain Dan. Um, this has been Dan Blanchard and Ryan just chatting. I think at the end of the day, you know, experiential travel, working with people as Ryan is, you know, trying to bring growth and, and wonderful things is, is really what it's all about. And uh, I'm just so happy that was Ryan, Ryan was here today. So for no ordinary adventure, I will sign off and wish you all the best of times and keep up that experiential travel. Keep growing. Thanks for listening to No Ordinary Adventure, sharing locally harvested stories about adventure. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend, and help spread the word. We are a community of nature lovers, intrepid travelers, and outdoor adventurers, mostly from the comfort of a small boat. And we want to spread our love of this fascinating planet. That's it for this episode. Now get outside. Get outside.